Welcome to Dominion Today with Kevin and Chantel Davis, a podcast where you will learn how to discover your calling, live your purpose, and fulfill your destiny. By listening to these episodes, you'll build the confidence you need to operate in dominion and authority so you can walk in the revelation of the victory that belongs to you in Christ Jesus. Now, here's your host, Kevin Davis. Because we have access. En jy sê, hulle weet nie wat ons weet nie. Hulle weet nie wat ons weet nie. Come on, we have access to deeper things, to greater things. Come on, someone just say greater things. Greater things. And that is what we have access to. That is what you have access to. That is what you as a family have access to. That's what you as a married couple have access to. That's what you as a business have access to. That's what you as a ministry have access to. This is 2024, the year of access. And so we welcome you for what is going to be the greatest year of your life. So are you ready for 2024 and beyond? Are you ready? Amen. Amen. Well, I'm going to get right into it. And then I really just want you to flow with me. I want you to, at all times, just draw from that which is being shared. Even there's going to be times, it might even be today, that there's, as the, as the gift of prophecy even begins to flow, as various other gifts of the Spirit begins to flow, as we're about to see people being touched, people being delivered, people being set free once and for all, where addictions will fall off people, where sickness and disease will crumble and be crushed by the power of the blood of Jesus. And so I don't want you to ever, ever, and I'm going to just say this today, and maybe I'm going to share it again in the, you know, in the next few weeks, just so we're all on the same page, because I know many of our people are still coming from holiday, and uh, they will be joining us next week in particular. But what I really want every single one of us to understand is that every single time we get together, you need to raise your level of expectation. That irrespective of the topic, irrespective of that which is shared, irrespective of who's preaching, irrespective of who's doing that, who's doing that, I don't want us to ever fall into a trap of religion. I don't want us ever to fall into a trap of familiarity or any form of expectation where we think that okay it's going to go this direction well I know Pastor Kevin he's going to say this then he's going to say that I want you to really get to that place where you say Lord I'm here for one reason and one reason only and that is to encounter you that is to glorify you that is to go deeper and further than I've ever gone with you before because this is the year of the open door this is my year of access and I am here for the deeper things of God Come on, how many of you agree with me that it is time for us as the church of the Lord Jesus Christ to go deeper? Amen. And so one of the things that I've been talking about over the last few weeks, indeed, this year being the year of the open door, a year of access. And one of the things that's been burning very strongly within my heart and in my spirit that I've also been sharing with you the last few weeks pertains to Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 6 that says that we are right now seated in Christ in heavenly places. That is not speaking of a futuristic event. You see, unfortunately, there are many of us, many of you, and I count myself as unfortunately among those who grew up in church where the the message of the church was even that that which you have experienced that which you have encountered as it pertains to the nature, the name, and the person, and the character of God is all there is. 
But I want you to know, to know that you know that you know, above all doubt, that there is more. That there is more and that God desires for you to unlock the more, to step into the more and to access the more that He has in store for you. There is so much more the Spirit of the Lord is wanting to reveal and wanting to impart to God's people. But the problem is that the majority of God's people, unfortunately, are closed-minded. You see, I grew up in a Reformed church environment. I grew up, many of you know my story, grew up in the Dutch Reformed church, the Ingeerkerk. My pa was a duomini. So I grew up with religion and tradition. And the sad reality is, is that I remember the day that I was now in what is now grade 11, Standard Nierge. Then it gets to the time of what the Lord's in Afrikaans, your Anjeming. So then you stand in front of the Duomini and there is a decree that you declare. That you say in front of everyone as witnesses and into the heavenly realms. Not even understanding the weight of my words back then. Where you basically say in Afrikaans, you say that here the leer is the enigste volkome en ware leer. En dat ek verwerp alles wat hiermee teenstrijdig is. Basically in English, that which I declared was that this theology, this doctrine, as it has been taught to me in a reformed environment, is the complete and full and utter revelation. And that I will accept that as such. And will openly reject anything that is contrary to this. Because obviously the idea is that this is the complete doctrine. This is the fullness of all that there is. And within that reformed environment, they obviously believe what is referred to as cessationism. In other words, they believe that the gifts of the Spirit ceased at the death of the last apostle. That that which we read about in the book of Acts is not for today. And you see, unfortunately, we are still, as the church, having to undo that which Catholicism introduced for 1,700 years. Where it all started with a bishop by the name of Ignatius who said in the year 300 AD, the year 300 of our Lord, who said, do nothing without the bishop. That it was unlawful for a father to break bread with his family. It started off simple by saying, well, if you do it as a father and you are not an ordained minister of the gospel, it carries no weight in the spirit. That if you were to baptize anyone in the name of the Lord Jesus, it carries no weight in the spirit. But then it flipped to an even greater extreme where that was outlawed. Where if you broke bread with your family, you would suffer the consequence of most possibly being burnt alive on the stake. Being tortured and killed because you dare, as they would put it, take matters into your own hands. And so a lot of things were withheld from the greater Christian populace. Do you know that at one stage and even a few hundred years ago, it was illegal for the Bible to be available in the people's language. That people were killed, tortured and killed. They were martyred because they dared to translate this book into the vernacular of the people. And we today 
Over the last few hundred years, we've been left to pick up the pieces. But by the grace of God, we've not just picked up the pieces and having to superglue it all together. We have seen an acceleration and we have seen an escalation as it pertains to the moving and the guiding of the Holy Spirit of things being restored back to the church. And we indeed will see a church that is without spot or blemish or wrinkle, a church that is glorious and victorious. And it is that church that will spark the triumphant return of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, because Jesus is not coming back for a church that is hiding something way in the closet just shouting Maranatha when the fuel price goes up. Jesus is not coming back to a bride that has been abused and bruised and has been thrown to the side. Jesus is coming back for a church that is glorious and victorious as He is. Come on if you believe that with me just shout unto Him with a voice of triumph. And you see sadly even we as call it Pentecostals. I don't like to even subscribe to this thing or that thing or this thing. People sometimes ask me, so Pastor Kevin, what kind of church is Dominion Church? My answer to them is simply, well, come and check for yourself and then you tell me. Because I'm not the kind of person that, I don't like boxes. Because when you say charismatic, there's a certain idea that people have. If you say Pentecostal, there's a certain idea that people have. And you see, one of the saddest things when I, and I want to say converted, because that is what it sort of was for, for a large extent or to a large extent. Because it's not so much what you get saved out of, but what you get saved into that sometimes is the greater problem. Where you, in essence, just exchange one set of religion and tradition for another set of religion and tradition. Where people receive revelation of God. They begin to move with the Spirit of God. Where churches were birthed from revival. And because of the supernatural power of God. But then a few hundred years later, sometimes just a hundred years later, we look back at that church and we think, where is the power that there's nothing? I mean, sadly, you go to the, uh, a typical kind of AFM church. And for many, you cannot distinguish an AFM, AGS Kerk, and NGE Kerk anymore. Where even when I grew up, the AGS was the happy clappies. And on the end kerk, ons was frozen chosen. But here is a church that was founded by a man by the name of John G. Lake, who moved in the supernatural power of God. That it was said that it, when it speaks of him, that he would touch disease. And then when they looked at his hand under a microscope, the bacteria and the disease would move about, but as soon as it comes in contact with the sweat on his hand, it poof, just dies. I mean, when was the last time any of us even went to a Methodist church? Do you know that the Methodist church was started by a man by the name of John Wesley? Do you know that in the beginning they were called Methodists because of their strange methods? They did things that was against the status quo. 
They were going against the stream. Do you know that even today, if you look at the logo of the Methodist church, what does that logo look like? It is a cross with fire. Even in this week, I had a glimpse of some of the journal entries of the late John Wesley. And when you read how this man operated in the supernatural power of God, the fire that fell in meetings. When you read about other occurrences of John G. Lake, and even right here in the Boerland, you read about Andrew Murray, in the Kirk, where he still wanted to at first oppose that which was happening, when suddenly inside of that Dutch Reformed Church, the Spirit of the living God moved. And there was going to be no stop to the mighty rushing wind. You see, when the mighty rushing wind, when the breath of God comes into a place and comes among a people, I'm telling you, things begin to happen. And you see, these men of God, and I mean, we can mention many, many more. And I mean, we've just touched on the last 100 years. We can go back even further. All throughout history, we see a mighty moving of the Spirit of the living God. That all of the things the church had lost, we see a gradual reintroduction to that which has been lost. And so in essence, many of the things that we call today a pioneering man, a pioneering ministry, a pioneering church, even the things that we set out to do and the movement that God has promised us is dominion and for this message of dominion to go around the whole world. For many, it sounds outrageous. It sounds crazy. But yet, Typically, it's those who are crazy enough to think they can change the world who do. You see, Jesus was, in inverted commas, crazy enough to think he can change the world, and he did. But the people didn't understand him. His own family did not understand him. The book of Mark chapter 3 says that his own family seized him. They had to tie him up because they were afraid that he was going to be a menace to society. They did not understand his call. They did not understand his function. And so they deemed him to be nothing more than crazy. I do not know what it is that the world has said to you. What label the world or even the church has tried to put on you. But you are not that. You are not defined by any man-made label. You are not defined by any man-made definition. You are not defined by anything of man. You are not defined by what economists say. You're not defined by what politicians say. You're not defined by any rhetoric or narrative that any political or any news media or anything wants to push into this world. You are not that. You are greater still. Because God, your creator, the one who made you in his image after his likeness, has called you by name. He is the one who promised that, you know what, before you were even created and formed in your mother's womb, He already knew you. He already called you by your name. He already said that you are mine. And all we need to do is to come to the realization of the fact that God is my creator, that God is my father, that He so loves me, and that you know that He so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son so that all who might believe in Him would not perish but have everlasting life. Everlasting life is a reality and it is available to each and every one. Whosoever will call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. And this is the hour. This is the greatest hour for the church. This is the greatest hour for us to be alive. 
You could have thought, hey, if only I could have been living in the days of the apostles. If only I could be among those. If only I could be here. The Lord does not make any mistakes. You have been born into the right place and you're at the right time. Living where you are at, right here in Somerset West, right here in Cape Town. It's by no accident that you find yourself living in South Africa in 2024 because God is going to use you. He knows you. Come on, you can try and hide from God. You can try and take away the calling that God has called you to. And the greatest of all, that the manifestation of His glory to be revealed in you and through you. You can try and hide away from it. You can try and deny it. You can try and hide as far as you can. But the Spirit of, the, of God will locate you. His anointing will find you. And the call of God comes forth to every single one who has been hiding who has been trying to keep away from the things of God. Hear the voice of God as I say to you this morning. It is time to come out of hiding. It is time for the sons and daughters of God to be revealed for His glory and the advancing of His kingdom in the name of Jesus. Come on, if you are those sons and daughters, come on, shout unto Him and give Him praise. Hallelujah! Hallelujah! Something's happening this morning. There are shifts taking place. I see a force, even now in the realm of the Spirit, I see a force of God's glory, of light, just moving. And I see every shackle and chain, every hindrance, everything that has kept people bound, everything, I even see cobwebs associated with some of those things because it's been there for such a long time. As the Spirit of the living God moves even now, every hindrance, every shackle, every chain is broken now in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. This is your hero of access. The Lord promised a great reset, not like that which the world advocates, but a year of fresh new beginnings. Don't hold on to the shackle or the chain when you are no longer bound to it. You're not Tarzan. You don't have to swing. Let go of it. You see, so many of us have been bound by certain shackles and chains for far too long. And we believed that even though we've got the strength and the ability to move on ahead, we're bound to it. Have you ever seen some of these elephants in the circus? I remember when I was young, I looked at this elephant. We were at the, I think it was then the Boswell Wilkie Circus. Now there's those who look at me already like, poor animals. Hello. It was a different time, okay? I went to see the animal, not the clown. The animal. And so I saw the animals. We, we went before the show and my father was taking me around the tent. And I saw the animals. That's all I wanted to see. And I remember seeing this elephant, this massive elephant. And I recall that there was a little chain around his foot with a little stake, a little pole in the ground with the chain from his leg attached to that pole. And I'm thinking, even in my little mind, I was like five or six or seven years old. Surely this animal has the strength to just pull it out and start running. But then my father said this to me, that that elephant was bred in captivity. 
that elephant grew up with the chain and the shackle attached to him since birth. And because he was conditioned, that in the beginning he might have tried, but he was not strong enough to be able to pull the stake out. By the time he was big enough to be able to, even out of his own ability and strength, to break free and go running, he had been conditioned to believe that it is impossible. He had been conditioned to believe that even if he were to exert all of his energy and strength, it would be futile. And that is what many Christians have fallen captive to. Because religion says to you that this is all there is. That religion says to you that before you embark on the greatest call of your life, before you embark on the mandate and the vision that God has given you, what do you do? You first have to consult your bank account. I would have loved to do this, but you know, if I, if I only had the money. You know, God spoke to us, you know, hallelujah, but... You know, I'm just waiting for the money. There's a person I saw now in December. Last year I met him. And he told me about the plan and purpose that was in his heart and in his spirit to plant a church. And I was like, okay, that's great. That's awesome. So we started talking, exchanged phone numbers. I was so excited. In December I saw him. A year had lapsed. And I said to him, you know what? It's a year since I last saw you. I'm curious to hear Where's the church? What has been happening in the church? And he says to me, Ja, pastoor, ons, ons wacht maar nog vir die sente, vir die Heere. I mean, hello. Here was someone who was passionate a year ago about getting started. But hearing his response, he's still waiting on the Lord for some sense. I mean, that, that blows my mind. Why would you wait upon the Lord for saints? Why would you even ask the Lord for saints? I mean, do you not understand that Psalm 24 says that the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof? Do you not understand that God is the one who spoke into the void of nothingness and out of nothingness all that is came to be? And since we are created in the image and likeness of God, and since the Bible admonishes us, which is a good, a nice word to say, scolds us, that we are to have the God kind of faith. What is the God kind of faith? It is the same kind of faith that God used all the way in the beginning when He simply said, light be, and poof it was. And so I want you, even this morning, you can grab your pen, you can grab your notebook, whatever it is, I want you to start dreaming again. I want you to call forth those things that are not as though they are. If you believe in God for that business, I want you to say, business be. If you already have a business and you're believing for contracts, you say, contracts be. If you're believing for tenders, you say, tenders be. New clients, clients be. If you're believing in the Lord for finances to start, finances be. Whatever it is that you're believing for, speak those things that are not as though they are. Because that is the substance of faith. You see, now faith is the substance of things hopeful, the evidence of things not yet seen. It doesn't say that which does not exist. It says it's just not yet seen with the natural eye. But the moment you speak, you need to be able to understand. The moment you say, whatever it is, business be, the business manifests in the, in the realm of the Spirit.
All that needs to take place now is for that, the reality of that which is in the spiritual realm to be made manifest right here on earth. That's what needs to happen. But you see, many Christians don't even engage in that. Because on the one hand, we have been taught to believe that this is all there is to it. You cannot ask God for that. You can't disturb God about anything pertaining business. Oh, because, you know, you're supposed to just trust God just for the morsels, the crumbs that fall from someone else's table. That is what the church has been conditioned to believe. And I'm telling you today that it's a wrong mindset. It's a poverty mindset. And it's a mindset that has been created as a result of a Babylonian system to keep people in bondage. The Bible is very clear when you read the New Testament that we cannot allow ourselves to become slaves yet again. That when the Spirit of the Lord has freed us and when Jesus Christ has come to free us, we are free indeed. But unfortunately, we revert back to a Babylonian system because for many of us, that's all we've ever known. And we revert back to a Babylonian system and the church has even utilized a Babylonian system where for 1,700 years, a Babylonian system as it was used in the world to keep people enslaved, to give people the impression that they are free, but they are not. That is what is happening even in 2024 where people have become modern slaves to the greatest corporations all around the world. You're a slave to a world system. You say, how can I get out? By doing things God's way. And unfortunately, through the rise of Catholicism and the things that were introduced for 1,700 years, they basically just adopted the Babylonian system and applied that to the church structure as an institution. Keeping people in bondage by not giving them access to the Word of God. By saying that this is all there is and you cannot even verify whether or not that's the truth. Where those who were in power executed those who were moving in the power of the Spirit of God. That were going out to persecute, torture, and martyr those who would contend for the truth. And so these are the things that we are challenging today. Ephesians 2.18 says this, and I want to get into the word. Ephesians 2.18 and the Amplified Classic. And then Ephesians 3 verse 12. Okay, I can release you guys. Thank you. A big thank you to Pastor Chantal. <laughs> Ephesians 2.18 in the Amplified Classic. Now, I don't want you to think that because they have sort of gone to sit down now that all of a sudden we're going to... Don't get too comfortable now. Ephesians 2.18. It says, For it is through Him. So who is it through? Through Him. That we both, whether far off or near, now have an introduction, access by one Holy Spirit to the Father, so that we are able to approach Him. You see, religion has taught people 
has led people to believe that it is impossible to approach God, let alone be with God. That is the one thing that religion is never able to produce. Religion is inherently void of an encounter with God. Religion does not offer encounters. Because religion, in essence, actually detracts and defers people from ever encountering God for themselves. And this is the lie that many have been caught up in. Many people have fallen for. And I want you to know today that you have access. You have access. You have access to the presence, to the throne of God. Going further, Ephesians 3.12. In Him, because of our faith in Him, we dare to have the boldness and the courage and confidence of free access and unreserved approach to God with freedom and without fear. You see, what religion teaches is that you should fear God from the perspective of God is out there looking for what you're going to do wrong next to zap you. That's religion. I'm not saying that there should not be the inherent fear of God that speaks of reverence, awe, and respect of God. God is also not your playmate. So I want there to be a very clear distinction between what I'm sharing. When I'm talking about those who do not and should not fear God, I'm talking from the perspective of that you should not even have the confidence or the boldness or the courage to even approach Him. Because there are many people who approach God when they even do, when they sort of get the courage to approach God, they approach God as a, someone, a pupil in school going to the principal's office. I'm speaking of those who were in school prior to 1990. Antonio, I'm just teasing you. Donovan, I'm you. Brian, you must have And so that is the picture that many people have of God. Is that God is unapproachable. That God is not someone that we can just go and spend time with. And that is why many people have been led to believe that the only time you ever go to God is when you need something of God. That is, that is not boldness. That's not courage. I mean, imagine if you were to go to your father in that way. The only time you ever go to him is, Oh, Papa, I could know Your father desires to spend time with you. And if my children were to only come to me with, Oh, Papa, I could know I mean, hello. I want to know the best of you as I know the worst of you so that I can still love you. That's what it's about. One of the things that I was reminded of this week is the fact that Paul had access, unhindered access to the throne room of God. What is so powerful is reading some of the words in Corinthians, for example. I mean, this is not something I shared with Krista before, but 2 Corinthians 12, verse 2 and 4 in the Amplified Classic. 2 Corinthians 12, verse 2 and 4 in the Amplified Classic. It says, and this is Paul 
writing from the, a third-person perspective because he's so humble, he doesn't even want to boast. He doesn't want to say anything about himself. So he's speaking of himself in the third person by simply saying, I know of a man. So I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago, whether in the body or out of the body, I do not know, but God knows, was caught up to the third heaven. And I know that this man, whether in the body or away from the body, I do not know, God knows, was caught up into paradise and he heard utterances beyond the power of man to put into words. So in other words, he's saying that I heard things that I cannot even have the ability to utter. Even if I could, I cannot. Because it goes over and above my human brain's ability to comprehend, let alone articulate. Are you with me? Then he says, and also, which man is not permitted to utter. These are deep things. And he says it twice. Whether in the body or out of the body, I do not know, but God knows. Whether in the body or out of the body, I do not know, but God knows. What is he talking about? He's talking, well, what can only be described as an out-of-body experience. And the sad reality is, is that there are many in the church today that the moment you start talking about the things that we read about in the book of Acts, that every Pentecostal is quick to say we have to go back to. But the moment you talk about the fact that as Peter was walking and wheresoever his shadow was casting, those who would be in the way of his shadow, when his shadow goes over them, they would be healed. But then there are those who say, you know, the moment you talk about that, the moment you say that, you know what, even you just being here today, even us just coming together in one accord in one place, that when we're, there is that spirit of, of unity and agreement, that things even now supernaturally are happening by the power of God, then there's people who would say, well, yeah, that sounds a lot like some mysticism to me. That sounds like some form of spiritualism. Oh, no, I, th I think that's some new age stuff. I'm not saying that there's not a line. And we have to make sure that we are never crossing a line over to the occult, over to sorcery, divinity, witch, or divination, I should say, witchcraft, sorcery. Those things the Bible is against. Those things are sin. It is an abomination to God. But as I grew up in the Dutch Reformed Church, and when I saw people whose lives were totally and utterly changed as a result of the moving of the Spirit of God, I was told and led to believe that all of those things that I saw, people being healed, was the work of the devil. People whose marriages were restored, that was the work of the devil. People whose children came back home, that, that was the work of the devil. People who were delivered from depression or fear, anxiety, oh no, that was the work of the devil. I could never understand how the devil could be so stupid to touch people's lives where he is the one behind it all. But then when people receive the greatest breakthrough of their life, they go out leaping, praising, and shouting unto God, giving him glory and praise. I thought to myself, even as a child, that makes no sense to me. Talk about something being counterproductive. And you see, this is the sad reality of why so many young people, for example, are entering into arts of the occult, witchcraft, and why they're so into these things. 
This is why young people are going onto all kinds of substances that put them on a high so that they can escape the reality or the perceived reality of this earth and escape the turmoil and things of this world. But here's the question. Why is it that when we have access to the one and only true God, full access, free access, you just saw from Scripture itself, why is it that there are people in the church? Why is it that there are pastors who are denouncing Christ? Why is it that there are evangelists and even prophets turning away from God, moving into the occult for a greater sense of power? Why is that? Because we have been taught and conditioned like that elephant that this is all there is. That's why. Because do not tell me that when you're a Christian, that somehow there's no power. But the moment you enter into an unholy, unrighteous, unlawful contract with the devil, that hey, he bestows wealth and power and fame and fortune and all of these things. And people believe they can become Harry Potter. They just, and poof, this happens. Whereas in the realm of the spirit, when you are born again, born of the spirit and not of the flesh, and when you have come to the realization that you are seated in Christ in heavenly places, my question is, what is impossible to you? But we have believed a lie that this is all there is. Oh, this is all there is. We've believed the lie. And that is what has caused many to go away from the church in, seek, in, in search of a higher power. In search of a greater form of enlightenment. Use any of the words that the world has. When he has given us free, unhindered access to everything. Not just more, everything. And that's what I'm talking about. And that is what I want to, in essence, whet your appetite for. Because the world will try and whet your appetite to be able to go and cross that line. Between that which is Christian. And I, and, I, and I have to just sort of word it this way. Not that I would ever, but for the perspective of this, for the sake of this analogy. You cannot cross over that line and begin to operate by means of wicked, foul, demonic spirits. There's many people who would clearly say that, oh, this is what is happening in this church. Oh, that's fake. Oh, that's counterfeit. That's strange fire. Well, where's the real fire? You see... Logic dictates that in order for something to be fake, something to be counterfeit, there has to be first the genuine article. But where's the genuine? Because there are those, and I mean, this is the problem with cessationism. The way I grew up, they would say, well, there's no such thing as prophecy. That ceased. The Bible even says, you know, all of these things will cease. Prophecy will cease. Hello. Context is vital. But then you ask yourself, okay, well, if that is a fake, and that is something that has infiltrated the church, and it's fake, okay, well, where's the genuine? Where's the real? Where's the authentic? When we talk about the devil who supposedly heals, but the devil doesn't give anything, anything for free, so you have to give something, and he gives you something. Okay, so if the devil is able to heal like many people claim he does, if the devil is able to lift someone up, if the devil is able to promote someone, okay, well, why is it that we believe that God cannot do that? 
Abraham simply wanted a son. And God not only granted unto him the ability to become a son, God said to him that I will make your name great and distinguished, that you will become the father of many nations. And that only the next chapter, Genesis 13 says, And Abraham became very rich in livestock, in cattle, and also in silver and gold. And this is what God does for those who are in covenant with him. In a moment, I'm going to give us all an opportunity to sow a seed, to honor the Lord with our tithes and our offerings. And so I want us to get ready even with that. But here is someone, Paul, who had, who had these supernatural encounters with God. Encounters that man cannot even utter. That man cannot find a word to be able to ascribe a word or real meaning to that which he saw and experienced. And there would be those who would say, well, that was Paul. You are not Paul. I know I'm not Paul. But we go from one degree of glory to the next. You see, under an old covenant, the reason why Moses had to wear the veil, why? Because the glory was diminishing. It was fading away. But now the Bible says in the book of Corinthians, now since we with unveiled face, behold as in a mirror the glory of God. Glory that goes from one degree of glory to the next. That's why we can say from glory to glory. So it increases. It does not diminish. Under a new covenant, which is a better covenant based on better promises, it does not diminish. Can you say amen? In Galatians 1, you don't have to go there. In Galatians 1 and then in Philippians 3. In Galatians 1, Paul emphasizes that the gospel he preaches was not received from man, but through a revelation of Jesus Christ. That is speaking of him having access to something greater, something far more profound. Even during the days of Jesus, remember when he was there, the story of the woman at the well, the Samaritan woman? The disciples went to go and find some food for him to eat and for all of them to go and eat. It was in the middle of the day. Jesus was tired and weary after all the travels and the ministry. And then he had this encounter with this woman. And finally, when the disciples returned and said, yeah, Jesus, here's food that we had bought. Eat something. And Jesus, what does he say? He said, no, I have food to eat of that you do not know about. You see, Jesus had access to things that they could not understand. Jesus said to his disciples that just before his ascension, ultimately he made this statement. He said that in a while the world will no longer see me, but you will see me because you've believed. And because I'm sending to you a helper, I'm sending to you the spirit of the living God. And you see, again, this is making it very clear that the world does not have access to what we have access to. Helle weet nie wat ons weet nie. But we are led to believe, and there are Christians who are falling away, going back to a worldly system, who are going to, to flirt with the devil and all of the fake power and whatever that he has. Does the Bible not say in the gospel according to Luke that Jesus has given us access to power that tramples over all power that the enemy possesses? That we will trample upon scorpions and serpents and that nothing in any way will harm us. That's what we have been given access to. That's what we have available to us. The question is, do you believe it? That's the question. That's the question. Philippians 3, Paul talks about our citizenship being in heaven. Indicating a spiritual identity and connection that is beyond earthly dimensions or limitations. 
that your citizenship is in heaven. Oh, people are quick to say, well, we're in this world, but we're not of this world. That, that, that's just part of the revelation. Because people say that to sort of just put people down. You mag ons in die high car rein, jy moet nog loop te voet. Jy moet nog voet slaan, kerk toe. Jy koop ons nou vir jou karrieke, is maar korsa, maar hulle is al klaar afgunstig. Nou wat gaan hulle nou doen as hy bens daar staan? And also you have to get to that place where you do not apologize for the anointing and the favor of God that's upon your life. You do not have to hide away that which God is doing in your life. I'm not saying flaunt. I'm not saying you would go out there with pride and oh, look at me. I'm not saying that. But also you cannot try and put back and put up a front like it's going so bad with you. Meanwhile, God is blessing you. Because you will never be a partaker, truly a partaker of that which you reject, that which you deny, or that which you downplay, or that which you despise. John 14 verse 6, I'm just going to end with a couple of scriptures just to give you some meat. And then I'm going to give you a practical on how, how do you access the more. John 14 6, the Amplified Classic, we all know this so well. Jesus said, I am the way. I am the truth, and I am the life. No one comes to the Father except by or through me. Jesus claims exclusivity to the Father. And so when people ask you, well, what about this nice person? Will he go to heaven? What about this person? What about this religion? What about this? What about that? Jesus said that access to the Father is exclusively, that means only, through Him. People have looked at me with tears in their eyes saying, are you telling me I'm going to hell? Because I believe something else or I don't believe. And you know what? There is the human side of me that wants to say, I wish it was different because I like you. I actually love you. You're such a great human being, such a wonderful soul. But I cannot deny that which my Savior has said himself. And people would say, well, if God truly is love, then why would he send me to hell? That is not something that is synonymous with someone who's loved. Well, consider this. God is a gentleman. He does not force his will upon you. If you reject him today, on this side of eternity, he's not going to force you to spend you, spend time with him for all of eternity on that side. And so if you choose, willingly and consciously choose, to reject him and to reject his ways, well, you've made your decision. But then on the other hand, if you accept him, if you embrace him, and you embrace his ways, and you live your life according to the principles in his word, then you have access. Because God would not want you. I mean, who would, if people would say, well, why am I, I mean, the, the argument would then be, why must I then be with God in heaven if I don't want to be? Because there will be those who will come with that argument. So God gives you the choice. It's your decision. You have to choose. And it's every man and every woman for himself or herself. You have to make the decision. 
Women, you are not saved because of the salvation of your husband. And husbands, mannen, jylle is nie gered as gevolg van jylle vrou wat Jesus lief het nie. You have to make the decision for yourself. In a moment, I'm going to give you an opportunity to do just that. And so we have access through Jesus, who is the way and the only way. He is also the truth. So there is truth that leads to the way that leads to life. This is actually what the scripture says. Jesus is the way. He is the truth. When you grab a hold of the truth that frees you, and that absolutely frees you, you are free indeed. It causes you to walk on a new way, a new way of life that leads to life and life abundant on this earth while you are here and also the fullness of that which is available to you in heaven. Also, do not believe the lie that every single thing is just sort of everything that is good, every promise, everything that speaks of quality of life is reserved for one day in heaven. That's also the other thing we have to break. Because people want to believe that, you know what, for Christians, it's hell on earth. And hey, there's always the 50-50 chance that it might even be hell for you afterwards. That, that, that is so wrong. Jesus said, I've come to give you life so that you may have it more abundantly until it overflows. That speaks of right here and right now. You say, how can I say that? How is that not for one day in heaven? Yes, obviously the implication is one day in heaven as well. Because that is just a continuing and an even greater experience of what we have now. And what earth, in essence, in its fallen state and the, and the sinful nature of that which we have to navigate on this earth and that which we are surrounded by. Yes, I understand that we can only experience it to a certain extent. And even within the, in a bubble and pockets and call it whatever you'd like. But if the enemy comes in order to steal, kill and destroy now, then Jesus also comes now to give us life and have life more abundantly now. We can't have the one now, but the other one is for the future. Can you see that is how the church has taught you and has lied to you, has deceived people? Because the church that was operating at the time was saying to you, if you want to have nice things, if you want to enjoy life just a little bit, you have to buy this. You have to do that. And don't tell me that that has stopped. Because there are some deluded Christians who even now, this Christmas season, went to buy cooking oil for 10,000 rand a pop. Thinking that when they cook with it, their food will not be depleted. That if they apply the oil, oh, they're going to be blessed. They're going to have this. They're going to have that. It's the same Babylonian system that is operating now. Am I against seed time and harvest? No. Am I against sowing and reaping? No. Am I against taking and applying your faith and sowing a seed by faith, releasing it into the anointing of believing God, the God of wonders to do the seemingly impossible and for that to manifest as your reality in your life? No. I'm not against that. But do not be deceived that where you are led to believe that in order to access certain things, it's going to cost you this amount. Jesus could have put a price on his blood, but he was not going to merchandise his anointing. God has given us free access. Freely we have received, freely give. That's the Bible. Am I against any Christian charging for something? No. Am I against the manipulative practices and against trying to 
charge excessive, ridiculous costs where you know that that which their charges is this, but they are charging that. I am. Because freely we have received, freely give. And you know, the, the, the problem also is with that because many people charge these massive prices because on the flip side, those who are on the receiving end also now don't want to freely give and then, or free, freely, they want to just freely receive, but also they who are challenged with freely giving don't want to give. And that is the sad reality. Well, I've seen it in my own life. I mean, I, I, would, I would do something from a, a mentor people from a business perspective. And they will pay me 2,000 rands an hour. And if someone books three hours at 6,000 rand, and the meeting is done at around the two-hour mark, the person still paid me 6,000 rand because of the value that he had received. But then the same Kevin, the same person with a doctorate, the same person who studied all his life, the same person who has 20 or whatever years of experience in the ministry, meet someone for counseling for free and the person is late or doesn't arrive or wants to spend five hours where I've promised and have committed one. And if I have to cut you short at two hour mark because I have other things to do, now there's offense. How dare the pastor? He should have taken his entire day out to spend with me. And the same person who would not contribute a cent to anything. Because also we have been conditioned to believe that somehow, yes, the church must just freely give so that we can just freely receive. And once we freely receive, we should give nothing. That is wrong. That is wrong. And that is also a mindset we have to challenge. And so for many, I can understand why many in the church are then charging exceptional prices. Because they have also been used and abused. They've been chewed up and spat out by those in the church. And I understand where that's coming from. So you say, well, going forward, will we charge something for courses, for seminars? Yes. Because there's things that go into the production of that. The preparation, the day, the everything that is planned. I mean, you know, if you've been part of this church for the last year and a half, how we've blessed you, how we've given in so many ways. Free this, free that, free meals, free materials, free trainings, free access. But the responsibility is on each and every one of us to also honor. As we freely receive, we ought to ask, ought to also freely give honoring the grace honoring the anointing honoring that which is available to us through the men and women that God has positioned and appointed for our growth and our edification in John 16 24 and I want to close with this these few verses John 16 24 in the Amplified Classic it says up to this time you have not asked a single thing in my name as presenting all that I am. And I want you to grab a hold of that. Did you see that? Look at this verse. Up to this time, you have not asked a single thing in my name. 
Now, I know that these were words that were spoken 2,000 years ago. But you know what? In this week, as I read it, as I read it, as I read it, as I read it, and even as I'm reading it today, it's as though I'm hearing Jesus saying to me in my spirit, and as I'm hearing him saying this to all of us loudly and clearly, up until now, you have not asked a single thing in my name as presenting all that I am. Because we go to God with a bigger mentality. We think that just because God has just blessed this one, we think that just because God has blessed Donovan, now Kusi Piti Yani thinks that, okay, well, God has already, you know, he's he's given his quota away for this month. So now I can't be excited for Donovan for his breakthrough because the Lord has nothing left for me. And that is how we think. That is how we've been conditioned to think. And this is what I've kept on hearing in my spirit this week, is that we truly, as the word even says, we have asked amiss. That we've not actually asked anything truly in his name, as presenting all that he is, all that I am, as Jesus says. That means that when you approach God, you need to go with the understanding that it is finished. It is done. It's established for you. You have free, unlimited access. It's like walking into a room where everything you could ever want, where you could ever need, is available right there and then for you. Just ask. Just ask. Like imagine right now that on the walls there's like bookshelves or shelves. And that which you need, if you need a new Vehicle, there's keys to the car. All you have to do is just ask. If you need the finances, it's there. If you need that healing, it's there. If you need that situation to be resolved, it's there. It's almost like you need to see it as title deeds. You need to see it as agreements. It's just there. You just need the Lord to just sign it off for you. In a company, you have these things what they used to call like check requisitions or requisition forms. It's where someone just checks. You know, it just gives you that final permission. Just gives you the okay, gives you the check, it's fine. All, all is cleared, all adds up. And that's what you almost need to see in the realm of the spirit. It's available, it's there. You've got access to it, it's there. That when you enter into the throne room of God, I mean, understand, that is the place where there's nothing missing, nothing lacking, nothing broken, where there is perfect peace that drives out all fear. There's just absolute God. The majesty, the awe, the splendor of who he is, poof just saturates all and in all it's that's where it is and we have access to that because we are seated in Christ in heavenly places we have access you have access I want you to say this even to yourself I have access come on I want you to really say this like you mean it I have access come on say it again I have access And so you have access and you need to settle this once and for all. That as it pertains to the scripture, up to this time you have not asked a single thing in my name as presenting all that I am. But now ask and keep on asking and you will receive. Not you could. Not hey, I know you should, but I'm going to keep it from you. Ask and ask again and you will receive. Why? Listen to this. So that your joy, 
your gladness and your delight may be full and complete. Hallelujah. And this is not speaking of one day in heaven. That God wants to see a smile on your face. That speaks of absolute, full and complete joy and delight. As you delight in His goodness. As you enter into His joy. The fullness of all that He has for you. That is what it means to have access. And this is the year that we have access. And it's not just this year, 2024. From today, from now, you have access. It's not like 31st of December, 2024. Hey, everyone, you have to gather what you can now because we've got a few hours left where there's no more access. No, that's never going to happen. Why? Because Jesus tore the veil. From top to bottom, he tore it. When he said, it is finished, it's done. The old system, the old worldly system that keep people bound, that hinder people from seeing what lies beyond. All restriction, all limitation was removed once and for all. Revelation 4.1 says that after this I looked and behold a door standing open in heaven. And the first voice which I had heard addressing me like a calling of a war trumpet that said come up here. And I will show you what must take place in the future. You see, God wants to show you things. God wants to show you things. Some people will say, well, how can I say that? Because God caught Paul up into the third heaven. And I do not believe that there are just some people who were just sort of lucky enough. Who had these supernatural encounters with God. I mean, last week I told you of the supernatural encounters I had with the Lord the encounters I had with Jesus things that he showed me things that he said to me things that he called me to do and accomplish and this is why in 2021 when the devil came knocking at my door trying to take my life and I mean literally take my life when I was fighting death itself that was the thing that kept me going knowing that no wicked force no devil demon or whatever in hell would be able to come against the mandate the call the vision that God has called me to that there was purpose that was burning on the inside of me. And I realized that day that, hey, if you're not living a life of purpose, you're a goner. Purpose. 1 Corinthians 2.16 in the Amplified Classic. For who has known or understood the mind, the counsels and the purposes of the Lord, so as to guide and instruct him and give him knowledge? But we have the mind of Christ. So the Bible asks this question first and foremost, well, who would have the ability to understand the mind of God but then says but we have the mind of Christ and you see what is the mind of Christ the mind Christ the mind of Christ is the renewed mind the transformed mind that which Romans chapter 12 and verse 2 admonishes to do to not be conformed to the way of this world that keeps us in bondage that keeps us in a place of being a slave yet again even in the realm of the spirit because we believe that this is all there is to it but that we should have our minds transformed, how? By the renewal of our minds. And so the fully transformed mind is the mind of Christ, where you have access and the ability to be able to see things from God's perspective. So how do you access more? Let me just give you this practical example. 
This is a scripture that is very well known to you. I've shared it on many occasions. But it remains as relevant and as powerful, insightful, revelatory as, as ever. Luke chapter 2 and verse 52 in the King James. Luke chapter 2, verse 52 in the King James, it says, And Jesus increased in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and man. Jesus grew in wisdom. Now, the Bible reveals that what is the beginning of wisdom? The, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. So, in other words, it comes down to this, having intimacy with God, having an understanding of who God is. Spending time with him, having a hunger and a desire for more of God. That's where access truly comes from, stems from. That's how you gain access to God. By growing in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. That's how you gain access. Now access, I'm not just talking about accessing his throne room. I'm talking about accessing the fullness of all that he has available for you. Even right here on this earth. Wisdom. Not just knowledge, but wisdom. Wisdom is the application of the knowledge. For example, the difference between knowledge and wisdom is knowledge is you see a traffic light. You see a red light. Wisdom applies the brake when you see the red light. Otherwise, if you do not have wisdom, you're going to see the red light. Like many people, they've got knowledge and no wisdom. And they see red light and just, oh, that was a red light. What's a red light? They can see it, but not understand the implication of that which they are seeing. That's wisdom. Wisdom that also translates in the creation of wealth. What to invest into. How to spend your time. Whether or not you should enter into that marriage with that person. Whether you should enter into this business. Whether you should venture into this ministry. Whether you should plant that church. Whether you should start that ministry or whatever the case may be that requires wisdom not just knowledge but wisdom stature stature has to do with your physique your posture the way you carry yourself so it's all about becoming a person of value because when you become a person of value you automatically attract those who obviously are able to recognize your worth and your value stature also speak of your integrity the fact that you can be trusted. And because you can be trusted, people will open up to you. People would be willing to assist you. People would be willing to help you. People would be willing to take your hand and do something with you and even for you. Because you can be trusted. Because you're a man or a woman of trust, of honor and integrity. Then also Jesus grew in wisdom and in favor. Wisdom, stature, and in favor with God and man. And so it's about us growing up spiritually as well. Understanding the deeper things. Pursuing the Lord. Studying scriptures. Attending church. Being part of a family that keeps you accountable. Making sure that you are growing. And that you are growing strongly. Because hey, you can grow a little bit at a time. And you see these boompies, just where no like he bite of many men here, and all is hanging so. That is not what you should look like in 2024 and beyond. Here the overlapped, overdrugged, overdingy, he hangs them on it so on. 
En dan vraag je vir die persoon, hoe gaan het? Nou, is net genade. Ja, dit is net genade. <coughs> that is not what and who you should be. You ought to be strong in the Lord. But also as it pertains to your relationships with man. Because when you constantly dishonor people, you will close their hearts towards you. You will get to the place where people will, without you asking a favor, what is a favor? When you ask someone of a favor, you place a demand on a relationship. Which is why if someone were to say to me, if someone says to me that I don't know, says to me now, Pastor Kevin, can you lend me your vehicle for the afternoon? No. Those are men that say, my high is on a pastor. No. Lend your vehicle. If you so feel, feel so strongly about that. But why would I say no? Because I don't know the person. But if Donovan were to ask me, because there's a relationship, and now he's placing a demand on the relationship of all that which has already been deposited into the relationship. And now when it gets to the time when he is needing to make a withdrawal, placing a demand on that relationship, there's sufficient, call it, access that is given because of that which has been previously deposited and that is why I would be able to say yes because of relationship it's the same thing where your calendar is full the whole of next week it's like you say to even to people beforehand if you try and look for me don't even try because I'm busy but you know what someone very close to you has a situation or there might be you know a sickness or an illness or someone that need, you know someone in the family that needs you you will clear your diary without even blinking an eye why by means or by virtue of relationship and so if you are wondering where are my destiny helpers last year pastor kevin you spoke about destiny helpers destiny help. maybe it is because you have constantly dishonored people because we want people's assistance, but we also, when they offer, we don't want their assistance. As gevolg van trots. When ons allemaal soek hulp, maar as jy nou, as iemand vraag, kan ek help? Nee, toe maak, doen het jy derself. Ons allemaal weet hoe dit is. Jy werk aan die kaar en jy vraag vir jou kind, hey, hou net vir my, jy so net vast, hou net, hou net af vast. En hou af vast, as jy weet, weet jy wat los man het, los man het, laat ek het maar net jy derself doen. Laat ek het net jy derself doen. Want as jy ding wil regge doen het, dan doen jy het self. Hey. Ek sien ek het nou so bykie een teerpuntje aangeraak. And so Jesus increased in wisdom, in stature, and in favor with God and man. That's how you gain access. That's how you gain access. Access to that which is in heaven, access to that which is available to you here on earth, access as it pertains to your relationships with people. This is how we go about it. And so this morning I want to ask you that if you are here and you've never ever given your life to Jesus, for those who are also watching and listening to this right now, you've never ever given your life to Jesus, but this morning you know that you know you've avoided him for far too long, that there is a hell to shun and a heaven to gain and you do not have to spend all of eternity in a devil's hell you say what must i do 
Well, the Bible does say that all have sinned and all have fallen short of the glory of God. But whosoever will call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. That's the Bible. And that promise stands true to this day. So that's my first invitation. My second invitation is for those who might say, you know what? There was a time when I did give my life to Jesus, but something happened along the way that totally and utterly shocked me, rocked my boat, felt like the carpet was pulled from right underneath my feet. I'm no longer serving the Lord like I would, like I should, and like I did. But even today, you can say, Jesus, I'm coming back. I'm coming back. I'm coming back to you as my first love. I'm putting you first in every single situation. You say, not after everything that you've seen or everything that you've done. Or maybe it even is that guilt and shame and condemnation is just tearing you apart right now because of the stuff that even happened to you. Things that you might not have had any control over. Whether that was the betrayal of a friend or a loved one, as a result of a divorce or a bankruptcy, something that just totally and utterly devastated you. But there is still hope for you. That your life is not over. Best is yet to come. My third invitation is for those where the devil is constantly lying to you, reminding you of your past, telling you that you're not good enough for the kingdom of God, that you'll never be good enough as a child of God. And I want you to know today that it's never ever about being good enough. It's never about being good. It's never about anything that we do. For salvation is offered to us as a result of grace. It's by grace that we are saved. But also, it is by faith that we receive that grace and the gift of salvation by saying, Jesus, I believe. And so, if that is you on any one of these three invitations, whether you're here watching or listening right now, on the count of three, I want to ask that you would just raise one hand and I want to pray with you today. One, two, three, if that's you, just raise your hand. I want to pray with you. Thank you. Thank you. Is anyone else? Okay, can I ask, could you just quickly come to the front? Can you also just come? I want to pray with you right here. It's nothing to be ashamed about. It's the greatest decision of your life. Is Afrikaans? Come and stand right here. Okay, so let's pray this prayer out loud. And let's believe it with our hearts. And also for those of you who are seated, you can pray with us as well. And even those who are watching and listening, just, just close our eyes. And also for those of you, you two in the front, just, just open up your hands. As a way of just saying, Lord, I'm surrendering. I'm giving it all to you. But also as a means of receiving that which he has for you. So say this. Say, dear Lord Jesus, I confess that I've sinned against you. And that right now, I repent of all of my sin. And ask that you will forgive me. I now receive Jesus Christ as my Lord and my Savior come into my life touch me change me set me free fill me with your spirit and let me never be the same ever again Father I believe that Jesus Christ has come to die in my place I believe that Jesus was buried I believe that three days later, Jesus rose in victory. I now live in that victory established for me through the finished work of the cross of Jesus. I declare 
that from today, I will live for you as I dedicate my life to you, my future to you, all that I am, I place in your hands. Give me a passion to reach the lost, no matter the cost. Give me a boldness to share the good news with my friends and my family. I declare, I am yours. Use me. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. And so just a final call for those. If you have not as yet, you can do so. If you have to fill in an envelope, it's right there. It's available to you. Sometimes people think that, okay, just because they don't have cash with them, that they are sort of excluded from the offering. Well, that's not the case. Because you can go to the website, dominion.org.za forward slash give. You can even use the details on the offering envelope itself. And you can fill it in and you can do whatever you need to do online. You can still fill in your envelope, even if it's empty, void of cash. I know many people prefer to do things online nowadays. Online, you'll find even more ways for you to give. And so you can simply do that. Even if you're believing the Lord for seed, you can even just tick pledge. And you can just write down what it is that you're believing to be able to pledge, to put down a seed, to sow that seed into fertile soil. And for those who are watching, you know, and everyone who's, who's willing, you can become a monthly partner. So you can partner with us on a monthly basis, going to dominion.org.za forward slash partnership to partner with us. We have access. And I pray that after today, every single one of you, will know that you know that you know what is available to you. That you nor your children will ever have to go and read anything from Confucius or Buddha or anything else that supposedly is going to lead to a sense or a greater sense of enlightenment. You have it all. You have access to the one who calls those things that are not as though that is. I mean, you have access to the creator of everything who spoke when there was nothing. And I mean, come on. That's who he is. The one who speaks and there is thunder and lightning. The one who simply appears and the mountains melt like wax before him. That's who he is. That's who you are in him and what you have access to through him. That's what we have access to. And so I pray that this week will be a week unlike any week before. That as I said last week, and I say again, that every time you enter through a door or you exit a door, you remind yourself of the fact that this is my year of my open door. That you remind yourself, I have access. For those returning to the workplace, do not return into those doors on tomorrow or Tuesday, whenever you go back to work. Oh, no, 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 you walk in with dominion. You walk in with authority and power, knowing that you have access. So that even those who are working with you, your bosses as well as your colleagues will know, here comes the man, here comes the woman who brings the solution. Here is the one who is able to bring that to the table which we've been longing for, that we've been looking for, that leads ultimately to your increase, to your promotion and a divine positioning that comes only from God. This will also be a year where many people will start businesses. I see businesses that are starting. People in the world refer to these things as side hustles, but you know what I'm talking about. Do not despise the day of small beginnings. 
Sometimes people want to do all the glamorous things. But meanwhile, you can make a lot of money just by making and baking and selling some fudge or a jaffle or whatever the case may be. Trust the Lord for divine ideas, divine blueprints. You know what it is that you believe in God for. You might not want to be or nor do you desire to be the next Jeff Bezos or Elon Musk or whoever. You just want to be able to have more than enough for where you're currently at to give to your children and offer to your children a life where it's free of hassle, of struggle, of lack or want or need that's available to you. But then I also want to say to the dreamers, to the visionaries, to those who say, I'm no longer just going to be content with the crumbs that fall. I no longer just want to be content with just enough or only enough because I know that God is El Shaddai. He is the God of the overflow. He is the God of more than enough. That this is the year that I'm entering into my covenant with God. This is the year that I'm entering into partnership with God. That this is the year that even you locally decide, you know what, this is the year that I'm really going to apply myself to Dominion Church and to all that is available, to all that is on offer. This is going to be the year that I'm going to serve Pastor Kevin and Pastor Chantel. This is going to be the year that I'm going to serve my fellow brothers and sisters in Dominion Church. This is going to be the year that I'm going to put aside my selfish ambition and all kinds of things about self where I'm making the decision to serve God and to put God first and foremost this year. Because I'm telling you, when you begin to seek God and seek Him first and begin to take care of His house, God returns the favor and He takes care of your house in ways that you cannot even begin to comprehend or imagine. I've seen it in my own life. I've seen Him move in incredible ways. And if He has done it for me, He can do it for you. But this year, press in, push in. You have access. I pray now that the Lord will bless you. May the Lord keep you. May the Lord make His face shine upon you. May He be gracious unto you. May He give you peace. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening all the way to the end. If you'd like to help Kevin and Chantel reach and impact this generation, thank you in advance for sharing this episode with your world. If you have enjoyed Dominion today, follow Kevin and Chantel on Instagram, Facebook, and your favorite podcast platform, or connect with them online at dominion.org.za.